It's wonderful to be with you again. My name is Jason Dexter, and today we are continuing our study of the book of Daniel, and we will study the second half of Daniel chapter 3. Now, in this passage, you'll see one of the most remarkable declarations of faith that anyone, I believe, has ever made anywhere. And I hope this passage will encourage you, will build up your faith, and will give you strength so that when you face pressure, from others, especially pressure from authority, someone trying to force you to do something that is not right, that you remember this passage and that through that you will get the strength to do what is right. Now, in the first part of Daniel 3, we saw how Daniel's three friends stood up and refused to bow down to the image that the king had set up. And so they were brought into the king's presence. The king was very angry, very furious, and he says, I'm going to give you another chance. Bow down or you will be killed. So let us see their reply. Verse 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. This is an amazing declaration of faith. Now, we should remember that these three friends were youth, young men, far away from home, any support system, really any type of accountability. They were relatively anonymous amongst all of the people there. But they didn't even consider giving in. For them, it was never an option. Their determination was clearly conveyed to the king. Now, I tend to think that they made this decision not to bow down before that day ever even came. They would have known that the king had set up the image. They would have known that this day was coming. And probably they talked about it ahead of time. And the best time to make a decision not to give in is before that tempting situation even comes up. It's very wise for us to set boundaries ahead so that because in the moment with our fleshly reaction and our emotions, it's much easier to give in to temptation. But here we see we see that their resolve is firm. There isn't a hint of rudeness or arrogance. They're just rock solid firm in their statement. Now, when the battle lines are drawn, it is essential that you declare your position. Because if you don't declare your position, then you allow longer for temptation to linger in your mind. The longer you let it linger without taking decisive action, the more likely you will succumb to it. So this is a good lesson. When you face temptation, don't kind of hang around and flirt with it and negotiate and think about it. Make your position clear. Make your position clear. Do not give in and do not hang around thinking about it. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego says very interestingly, they said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. What? He's the king. They don't even need to give an answer to him? That's what they're saying. And what we see there is that they clearly understood that God is the judge. They knew that God was on the throne. And that's really one of the key themes of the book of Daniel is that kings rise and fall, 
kingdoms rise and fall. God's kingdom endures forever. He is the king of kings. He is on his throne. He is the one that we are accountable to. And they realized that. He is the one to whom they answered. Although Nebuchadnezzar thought he was the supreme ruler over all, there was one higher still. This is a very important application for us today. Each of us is ultimately accountable to God. Now, for most of you, you probably will not be taken to a king or to a world ruler tomorrow and threatened with death unless you do what what sin. You probably are not going to face that situation. But you do face people who've set themselves up as authority over you, who may try to pressure you to do something wrong or that goes against your conscience. God does establish authority structures. Now, the problem is when people make themselves out to be the ultimate authority and they think they're the highest one and they don't recognize God's authority over them. Sometimes that could be government. Sometimes it could be a boss or even a parent seeking to control grown children. Remember, God is the one you need to give an answer to. That simplifies your decisions and it will crystallize to you what is actually important. So we need to always remember God is the one on the throne. And one day, after we breathe our last here on earth, we will face God. We will give an account to him. And on that throne, the judge will be sitting and it won't be your parent. It won't be your spouse. It won't be your boss. It won't be the president. It will be the Lord. So we should do all in order to please him. Now, they also said that if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning furnace. So, they said, look, God can deliver us. So, they believed in God's power. They had rock-solid faith in the Lord. They knew that if God so chose to do, saving them out of the fire was nothing for him. They knew the God in whom they believed. And it says here, and he will deliver us out of your hand. So they had faith that God was going to deliver them. But they also said, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So we believe God is going to save us. But even if he doesn't, then we're still not going to do it. They decided that they were not going to cross this line. Much like Daniel did in chapter 1 when he resolved in his mind not to eat the food. So this wasn't a negotiation. Okay, They're not negotiating with the king. Threats to their life would make no difference. Their determination was firm. So seeing the clarity of their thoughts and the speed of reply, again, it, it looks like they decided this ahead of time. Now, it's very important for us to make decisions ahead of time of what we will and will not do. One example of a place to do that is in relationships. A boy and a girl, when they get into a relationship with each other and consider marriage, they should have some boundaries on their relationship. God's word says that it is wrong to have physical relationship before marriage. This should be a red line for believers. And there are some other boundaries which we should set wisely in addition to that in order to limit temptation. So one example of 
a situation which you should set boundaries about before you get into it is about guy-girl relationships. If a guy and a girl begin a dating or a courtship process and are considering marriage together, at the near the beginning of this relationship, they should come together and they should talk about boundaries and they should decide what is acceptable for them and what is not acceptable for them at the beginning. There's clearly some red lines in scripture such as a physical relationship before marriage, but there are other very wise boundaries which a couple may set. Now the time to make a decision on what is okay and what is not okay is best to make before that moment of choice or before that moment of temptation comes. Because in the moment when the romantic feelings are flowing, it is much more difficult to make a wise, objective, logical, rational decision. We need to make the right commitment and the right decision before this moment of temptation ever even offers itself to us. So moving forward, we see that they were willing to give their lives for it. We will not serve your gods. They knew the command. They knew the threat. They still made the statement. They were willing to give their life for it. Now, they believed God would save them. Even if he didn't, they weren't going to do it. So the way these three men made decisions is quite different than the way the others made decisions. They didn't choose what was only pragmatic or beneficial to themselves. They realized the value of the soul that was more than the value of their own body. Now, some professing believers are willing to obey God as long as God blesses and rewards them. But when trouble comes, they just give up. It's not worth it to them. But let's follow the example of these three faithful men by committing ourselves to stand firm on the rock even if it costs us something or if it costs us everything. Their faith was deep and we see their humility. They did not think overly highly of themselves or their own lives. What is humility? Humility doesn't mean weakness. You don't see any weakness from them. They are so bold in this situation. Neither does humility mean, obviously, pride. They were not prideful. They were not egotistical about it. Humility means to view yourself as God views you. They realized who God was, what God's power was, and they realized who they were and what their job was. And they submitted themselves to the Lord. This was very, very humble. They knew that they were valuable in God's sight, but their, that their lives were less important than God's divine plan. So humility does not equal groveling or weakness. They were loud and clear and bold. They had a backbone. They refused to bow. So some think that believers are weak or timid, but we see that's not the case at all. Boldness and humility can be complementary, not mutually exclusive. When you know that your life is in God's hands and that he's completely sovereign, that's humility and that gives you boldness. Let's go forward and see how Nebuchadnezzar reacted. It's just a guess, but I don't think he's going to be very happy about it. Verse 19 through 23. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury 
and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. So first we see that Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. The expression of his face changed. This ruler thought he exercised total control over all of his subjects. So finding out they had a mind and a will of their own enraged him. You could almost imagine that he almost popped a vein. He was so angry. He was a man who was used to absolute power. Most likely no one had ever defied him before. So throughout the events of this book, we see God is wanting actually to teach Nebuchadnezzar a lesson, to teach him a healthy dose of humility. Now the king commanded that the furnace be heated seven times more than it was usually heated. The trio is about to discover that this was not a false threat. Now, if we recall chapter one, Daniel's wisdom helped him avoid the showdown with the authorities. But sometimes it just doesn't work. Things cannot be worked out. Sometimes there's no recourse but to boldly take a stand and then let the chips fall where they may, which is what we see here. Now, Nebuchadnezzar caused the death of those who helped him to fulfill this command. It says the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So because the king was so angry, then some of his own people died because of it. People who were loyal to him. Foolish decisions are always harmful. But they cause even more harm when those who are in authority make them. Because someone who is in authority, their choices affects all of those under them. So Nebuchadnezzar's foolish decision didn't only affect him, it affected the soldiers in his command. There's an application for us. It's quite simple, but if you are in authority, then don't make a decision in haste and don't make a decision in anger. If you're angry, it's better to cool off before you make a decision. Most of the time when we make a decision in anger, we will often regret it. Let's see what happens in the fire. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. 
The Lord himself seems to have been with them in the flames. There's a fourth person who was walking around amid the fire. This could have been an angel, but I believe it's more likely to have been Jesus pre-incarnate. Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And though the rivers, through, through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. God did not abandon his faithful followers, and neither did he allow them to succumb to the pain or death from the fire. So when we have faith in God, he will honor that. Regardless of what we face, he will be there with us in the midst. Now, the three friends rightly said that God may not save them. God does not promise to save us from every trouble, and we cannot read this passage and put it onto every other situation and say God will always save us from persecution because it doesn't always happen like that. This is not a promise that God will always do this. Many believers in history have been martyred. Many prophets were martyred. Even God's own son, Jesus, was killed and was not delivered from death. What God does promise is that he will use these things for good. We, You probably know the story of Jim Elliot and Nate Saint and the other believers to the tribe in South America and the Amazon rainforest. And these believers, these missionaries gave their lives for the gospel. They were killed. And modern day media at the time said, what a waste. These young men in the prime of their life died for no reason to go and share with some heathen tribe and the, the heathen tribe just killed them and didn't care. What a waste. But it is not a waste because God used the death of these believers to spark to catalyze a movement of missionaries around the world. Hundreds or even thousands of others said, here I am, send me, I will go. Their death accomplished even much more than their life could have. So God doesn't always promise to save, but he does promise to be with us and to use those things for good. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you or forsake you. God remains with us in the midst of trial. And so this passage in Daniel 3 should comfort us. God is with us in the middle of the fire. And at the same time, those who are prideful set themselves up for defeat. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Daniel's three friends were humble and Nebuchadnezzar was proud. So God helped them and Nebuchadnezzar had to learn a lesson. We also see here that the miracle was not done halfway. It says, Not a hair of their head was singed, their cloaks were not harmed, no smell of the fire had come upon them. There could be no doubt about the miraculous nature of this event because of the evidence of the clothes, the hair, and the rope. No part of them or their clothing gave any indication that there had ever been a fire near them. Let's not forget the soldiers who threw them in, and clearly they would have tried to stay as far away from this intense heat as they could, they themselves were killed by the extreme heat. So God doesn't do things in half measures. And it's quite interesting too, the fire appears to have burned the ropes which were binding them, but didn't touch the rest of their bodies. God's miracles leave no room for coincidences. 
He wanted everyone to see and to know this miracle so there was no confusion. Let's go on. Verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So after this, the king has no choice but to recognize their god. He said, who is the god who can deliver you? There's none. But now he says, okay, there is one. He acknowledged God. But he only recognized the Lord as one impressive God among many gods. So even though he seems to realize that their God is legit and is real, he doesn't fully give himself to the Lord yet. He's not a convert. He's not a follower. But he has no choice but to recognize God's power. Now, I believe God used this for the whole kingdom. The decision of the three to stand up for their faith made life easier for the rest of believers scattered across the kingdom. A decree was given that prohibited anyone from even speaking against their God. Here's the decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of these three men shall be torn limb from limb. So, You're not allowed to harm, to persecute, to punish any Jews and you cannot even speak against their God because that will be a capital offense. So what looks like a terrible defeat for God's people, it looks like if they don't worship, then then Jews all across the kingdom wouldn't worship either. They're all going to be killed. They're going to be executed. But because of the boldness of these three men, the Jews all across the kingdom were saved and they were they had a type of special protection even under the law so god used this used the boldness and the faith of these three men to help their countrymen across the whole kingdom and to turn into an amazing testimony a story that people far and wide could hear and know and know the truth about yahweh the god of the jews the creator of heaven and of earth. So this was not just spread by word of mouth, which actually word of mouth would have taken this everywhere. Everybody who saw this would be talking about it for days, weeks, months later. And so many people had the opportunity to hear and know about God and to believe in him through this event. But it wasn't only spread through word of mouth, but through official decree. Now, if these three exiles had compromised like everyone else, the result would have been a terrible lost opportunity for building God's kingdom. So when we make the right decision, it can help others. Sometimes it just takes one person standing up for truth to bring exposure to bad policies, shame to evil practices, and to be a catalyst for change. If everyone just goes with the status quo, nothing will change. But through the faithful, God can bring change. Stories of God's people standing up for what is right 
inspire millions worldwide to bring glory to the Lord. So when you do what's right, it's a testimony of God's grace on your life and it's an encouragement to those around you. Now when you look at the end result, it's that the king promoted these men. This looks like a career killer, a life killer. It ended up being a career booster. The faithful trio prospered more than ever before and were set above many who bowed their knee down to this idol. Now these people who maliciously accused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego must have been really, really disappointed to see how it turned out. They actually, Their accusation actually turned out to be the catalyst for these three men's promotion. And probably many of the same men who accused them were later reporting to them as their subordinates. You reap what you sow. God is sometimes seems to have a sense of irony. Now Nebuchadnezzar may have thought he was holding the ultimate power, but God was the one holding the strings. God is actually the one on the throne. He is the one accomplishing his plan in this world. So in application, spend some time in reflection. Consider in your own life, what is an area where you face a lot of pressure? Is it at work? Is it your family life? Is it in your community? Someone who's pressuring you, pushing you to try to compromise some area of your faith. Ask God to show you what you need to do. Pray for strength and resolve to stand firm no matter what, knowing that whatever you face, He will be with you right in the middle of it. I hope this lesson was inspiring and will build up your faith no matter what pressure you face in the future. Next time, join us as we study through Daniel chapter 4. Until then, God bless. To see our entire library of over 800 Bible studies, please visit our website at www.studyandobey.com.